of all the hazards, fear is the worst. Well, hello, friends, and thank you for joining us again for another episode of the Bomb Squad podcast. I am Jerry, the caddy of chaos, Lou, and with me as always, the Sultan of Shanks, Matt Smitty Smith. How you doing, buddy? Not too bad. It's been a little bit. Apologize to our viewers out there, but oh, you know what? Viewers, not or, or, or listeners as well. Yeah. For, for those Both. that don't know, we, we live stream this to each other. Uh, that's how we record. So when when that we view, we have at least two viewers. So it's awesome. That's yeah. and, and Ty and, and and Ty Childs, our uh, network director. Uh, uh, God bless you. Um, it's been uh before we get into well, this next little segment's gonna be quick because I was gonna ask if you played any golf lately. But um, who's, Dick, who's the uh, who who said that quote? Who said of all the hazards, fear is the worst? I couldn't even tell you. I want to go with maybe like. Bobby Jones. Mm, a little later than that. Like, like the next era. Like, like more recent. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, Thank you. Thank you for getting me on the later talk. So so like uh like Sam Sneed or like Byron Bingo. Nelson. Sam Sneed. That was a quote okay. from Mr. Sam Sneed, which I find highly ironic in that on one hand, he's on the record of saying, Of course I have the yips. We putt on different surfaces every weekend. Uh, what do you expect? I mean, granted, Northern Golfer says that, but Sam Sneed also has been the victim of getting jobbed out of a couple US Opens. Otherwise, if he had the A US Open, he'd be one of the most decorated golfers out there. I mean, he's, I love Sam Sneed. He's one of my favorites, absolutely. But um, so you've been playing any golf up there? Is there, is there, any, is there a break in the, in the weather patterns? Um, let's see. There's uh, four inches of snow on the ground. So that's a negative. There's no more golf to be done in 2020. It is, it's done. It's over. It's over. It's that's over. too bad. I mean, folks, we were going to record this. Uh, we were trying to negotiate to record this on Thursday, but uh, one of the guys I'm working for, he talked me into playing an extra nine holes at Sheep Ranch, and that was when I sent Smitty a, a text saying, like, hey, listen, can we push it back? He's like, yeah, no problem. And I sent him a video going, like, because look where I'm at. I'm in number one fairway at Sheep Ranch. It was, like, 55, 50 degrees, no wind. I mean, that's Fahrenheit, not centigrade. But, um, yeah, that's uh, – I've been playing a little bit more golf, but I need to probably work because, uh, yeah, I uh, haven't been working much. It's uh, one or the other. I slack off too much. But, um mm-hmm. Anywho, uh, so that's uh, basically we don't got too much to talk about uh, today. We got we're gonna do a little um, Mayakoba wrap because we just had that uh, tournament uh, with Victor Hovland winning, which will quickly spring into probably more uh, the overarching theme of uh, well, the Puerto Rican Open curse is uh, now broken, which means uh, where the hell's Tony? Where is he? Where the hell's Tony Fino? What's up? And then we're gonna do a little uh, coach's corner because uh, I got some problems that I've ironed out, but not all of them. I gotta run by Smitty, and we're also gonna talk some equipment news because it is the silly season contracts change. Um, and, uh, Smitty just dropped a big bomb on me. Uh, no pun intended, uh, before we started recording the show, but first I want to get to it real quick. Gorstgolf.com. I'm wearing the first generation hat right now. G O R S E golf.com. My boy crazy his lovely wife, Christine make beautiful head covers. Their most expensive ones are half the price of any of the original. I mean, I'm the baseline, uh, fancy ones from Seamus golf links, Lords and legends and all that, whatever they're called. But if you go to the website, gorsgolf.com, also you can find them on Instagram at gorsgolf in the coupon code section when you're done ordering, put in bomb squad pod, all one word gets you an additional 10% off bomb squad pod in the coupon code area at gorsgolf.com. And uh, we got a, Smitty, we got a bug tie to get some, uh, 
to get some uh, material out to uh, Crazy so we can make us some custom gear. That's the only reason why I really haven't gotten anything yet. I mean, some merch, some swag. Absolutely. You drink anything tonight? Uh, just finishing off a, a Ryan Ginger from dinner here. So nothing, oh, nothing yeah. crazy. Nothing crazy. You had, a, you had a cocktail with your supper? Hmm. Sunday mm-hmm. night. Just, you know, watch the golf. Chill out. I, there's football on. Pro football doesn't really do it for me a whole lot. Just, yeah, taking it easy this weekend. Well, you guys already had your Grey Cup up there. So, I mean, there's there's no CFL. I mean, hmm? there's no CFL all year. It got canceled. Oh, I guess I was following somebody on Twitter who was just bringing up Grey Cup highlights. And I'm just like, hey, it must be that time of year again or whatever. I mean. Yeah, I think I think the game's usually late November, like the last week in November, usually. So, hey, I know he's yeah, American, I'm, a, I'm a Doug Flutie fan. He cut his teeth up in the CFL, did real good up there. Flutie Flakes, baby. Flutie Flakes. Oh, Flutie Flakes suck. Have you ever had those things? No. Never had Wheaties before in my life either. Okay, good. I was going to say, I haven't had Flutie Flakes either, but they look exactly like Wheaties. And guess what tastes like ass? I mean, I'm sure it's good for you or whatever, but Wheaties are, oh my God. Like growing up, that was the one cereal all those kids hated because they're like, that is not good. Like we'd rather eat like Cran. Correct. Yeah. I, I don't know. I've never had them. Like I've seen them advertised, obviously, with like famous athletes and stuff, but nope. Are you, never... are you a breakfast? Are you a breakfast cereal guy? No, I'm not really a cereal guy. I uh, I like making myself a little breakfast sandwich every morning. Little, a little Sammy. Yeah, a little English muffin, some cheese and egg, some some Canadian bacon, some female what bacon. Call, what do they call? Well, yeah, I was gonna say you guys probably just call it bacon up there, but what do they call English muffins in England? Muffins. Oh damn! Oh, I thought your head just exploded, but now uh, your screen froze. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> let's get back to the tournament, Mayakoba. Uh, now help me out here because I do have some of the info in front of me. Is that the name of the tournament, the name of the golf course, or both, Matt? I believe it is the resort, which is all encompassing and, and hosts the entire event, the Mayakoba Resort, if I'm not mistaken. I, do, I always love the aerial photos of that place just because, like, every year it's my favorite whenever they do blimp shots. I'm just like, because I, I like going to resorts, I've been to Hawaii a couple times. I mean, it's like if you have the means and like. And, and you can afford it or have the time. Doing the resort thing is the way to go. Easy for me to say because I'm a caddy to golf resort, but that's a little different. I don't look at a golf resort as a vacation spot. You, like a vacation spot means you go to kill time and you can do 100 different things. When you go to Bandon Noon's golf resort, there's not even a tennis facility or I don't even think they have a gym. Like, you know, other than eating, sleeping and playing golf, you don't really have any other options to do anything else. So, yeah, like Bandon's a little unique in the fact that, you know, its slogan is obviously golf the way it's meant to be. It, it's not golf spa tennis shuffleboard pickleball the way it's meant to be it's just golf right and yes they do have a spa right they do have uh well but not I, like I believe, a, you know not not like a big foofy frilly spa just a just somewhere where somebody can get a an adjustment a little rub down of mm. the legal variety but they're, they're if you pay for it it's all legal you just gotta know what sign and above what building and what door you're walking into believe me i've seen that coast to coast so uh this is the golf course that has that um, that pit in the in that one fairway. That's correct. The first, that? second, or third hole. It's <laughs> it's early on the front nine, if I'm not mistaken. But yes, it has the the snake pit in the middle of the fairway. Quite unique. What is what is the story with that thing? Because I've only seen the pictures of it, and honestly, it looks like somebody was screwing around with like an artist rendering or something. Or I mean, it, it looks like a doctored image. But at the same time, I'm just trying to imagine what it'd be like. Yeah, I'm glad you asked because they actually did like an, uh, like a, a, a 
archaeological dig inside that little cave and they only found one thing it was like the bones of a golfer <clears throat> no it was the only tournament that tony Finau's ever won in his life <laughs> jesus christ come on <laughs> i'm nobody else is laughing i'm laughing at that because you really swung hard for that single like re- you reached back <laughs> that 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 was one where i thought it was out of the park i didn't run it out and i totally would have got gunned out a second if i didn't trip over first base <laughs> You're, you're lucky 100 correct you're lucky i was sitting on fastball and your changeup blew right by me <laughs> yeah blew up the bat off the top of the wall no oh, um but we'll get to we'll yeah get to second because we should give we should give hovland his due honestly the winner absolutely we should he it's exercised like, the demons well but did he really have demons though i mean i hate to say it like he had to be one of those guys who had to win to Okay, first and foremost, people, the, the whole the joke of the Puerto Rico Open curse is anyone who won the Puerto Rico Open didn't go on to win squad else after that. A few, some have, but but the likes of Tony Finau, Victor Hovland, they haven't. And the Puerto Rican Open, in case anyone uh, hasn't been paying attention, is usually one of those tournaments that's played during a major, like the top, like the like the Reno Tahoe Open or something, where it's just like, oh hey, guess what? The top 160 golfers are playing in England right now for the British Open you scrubs not scrubs but i mean you could still win that tournament and make it to the tournament of champions like in at, uh, or the mercedes as we used to call it at kapalua but anyways uh, so victor hovland was the latest guy to win the puerto rican open and had we were, we were all sitting on pins and needles quote unquote to see if it would quote break this little curse or so to speak the only reason why i drilled down onto that it's cursed and it's still something First and foremost, uh, hovland's part of that little mini class of matt wolf and uh, colin morikawa and those those little guys are they're in their own little uh, squadron in terms of uh, quote young guns or whatever. But now the overarching thing is okay. Good job, Hovland. We're done talking about you. Finau is pretty much the poster child, is he not? Of it, it's not so much that he's overrated. It's just anytime somebody says, "Hey, check out Tony Finau's swing," I just roast him. I just light him up. I'm just kind of like, "Oh, hey, look at the swing. Look at those socks." I mean, what are your thoughts? It built for top tens. He he's the he's the modern next generation. A Charlie Howell the third. Right? You watch your mouth. You what? Speaking of, he uh, Charlie had a nice little backdoor T twenty five today or something like that. He shot. Well, everyone went low today, like you said. Is but, it uh, is it really a backdoor T twenty five? Nobody gives a hoot that you place in the top twenty five. Again, you bite your tongue. It was a T twenty three. He shot six hundred today. But uh, well, let's let's rewind and define what a backdoor finish is in the first place, Smitty. Go for it. I believe that's called coming from behind. You know, sneak your way in there. You've been irrelevant for the entire weekend. And then you just say, hello, is anybody there? I'm just going to fire a, a weekend, you know, 65, 65, just to sneak in there, make a paycheck. That's, yeah, well, that's my that's my definition of the backdoor X finish, whatever you want to put in there for a number. Well, he, he just, he went 72, 69, 67, 65. He just, you know, kind of was, if this was the Bob Hope and one more day, he'd win it. Yeah, maybe. So I didn't want to jump the shark this quickly, but uh, maybe I fucking do. Ricky Fowler or Tony Finau? Who's winning a major next? Or are either of them? Are, can, we, can we do a board bet or something here? I don't even know who you like out of those two. Uh, neither. Well, I, I'll take, I tell you what. You'll, you'll take them versus me, the field? Ick, no. What, what kind of, no, that's not how that works at all. Hold up, back up. Okay, folks, he's, he's still smarting from the master's, uh, like, pot of chili that he spilled on the carpet. But I... Kevin Malone. <laughs> Kevin's famous chili. Um, I, if someone put a gun to my head and say, Ricky Fowler or Tony Fina, who's winning the major first, 
I would, I would, without skipping beat, I'd say Fowler. And I would believe that. I would, with 100%, I am, I am of the volition that Tony Finau is Louis Ustazen, but without a British Open. Okay. I would actually go Finau over Fowler. Okay, see, now, now we're cooking with gas here. You sincerely think Finau is going to win a major before Fowler? Uh, no. I... <laughs> what are you so, chasing your tail? <laughs> no, what I'm saying is that I believe neither neither will win a major. Okay, that's however. That's however, if I wanted one to win, it would have to be Finau because I think Ricky is just going to be that he, he's going to be the best player ever. They are going to crown him the best player ever, never to win a major. I believe his career in at the end of the day, he'll be up there with Monty. He'll be up there with Westwood. He'll be up there with a bunch of guys that were very, very relevant for a long period of time, but just never got the damn thing done. <sighs> Finau, I think, still has a lot more tread left on the tire. I think his game sets up more for the future, which is obviously a longer hitter. It, he, he's a great driver of the golf <clears throat> ball, which... Oh yeah, you know, as the stats Finau, go. does something that I really, really enjoy. Maybe more pros do this, but we don't know it. Fina only misses one direction. Also, like he, like he is, he has worked on a swing to the point where he smokes it a certain way. Excuse me, smokes it a certain way, and he either hits it. It's kind of like how I'm hitting the ball right now, Smitty. I either hit it straight or I hit it left, but I'm planning on hitting it left. Yeah, maybe once around I will slice one, but that was just probably because I just got a little lazy or something. That is not indicative of anything whatsoever. But I mean, and I like Fina's game. I love it. The thing is, I've already jumped off the wagon with him like a year or two ago, going like, "Okay, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be stuck in this guy's dick for the next ten years. I refuse." Also, uh, quick side note: I didn't write this down or whatever, but did you see how Ricky Fowler is dipping out of the top fifty and has to win a tournament to play in the Masters? Maybe next year. What do you? That's that's correct. Is it is it possible? Is it possible? I don't have the data in front of me. This is stupid, but you know me. Is it possible Ricky Fowler's in decline? I would I would say he is currently. I believe that he's searching for something. I he's always played a forty three and a half inch driver. He has for years, right? It's mm-hmm. always been very short compared to modern day standard and and manufacturer standard right now. Well, I shouldn't say standard. There really isn't one. Uh, but most manufacturers are forty five and a half or forty five and three quarter inch. That's manufacturer standard. Um, <laughs> with him playing a shaft almost two inches shorter than everybody else, he's now making that adjustment to a standard 45, if I'm not mistaken, maybe a 45 and a half, um, which is obviously a huge jump. He's been talking about his swing changes. You know, I, I don't dig too much into it because really, I don't He's a Butch Harmon really... guy, though. Like, I mean, if, if anyone's yeah. swing, it better be one of the Harmons. But other than that, don't change your swing. His, his, yeah. He's a good putter. His swing's never really been the issue. But then again, it hasn't been the best. No, it, he's just, he's always, the, he, he's hard to explain because he's never a guy that goes super, super low. So he's not that guy that's going to run away he, from a field. You're right. He's a guy who'll shoot 68 four rounds in a row. And the second he doesn't shoot one of those 68s, he's not winning the tournament. Good call. Correct. Yeah. So you look at he's Tommy Fleetwood, but more spread out. And he doesn't no, choke no, from five feet in on Sundays and Saturdays. But no, I'm that... sorry, Tom was a bad one because I'm 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 the guy who says oh, Tommy Fleetwood would shoot three rounds of par and then set the course record. You just don't know what round it's going to be. 
An interesting thing as well is that they're the same age. They're both 31 years old currently. Um, Sorry. I'm sorry. Fowler's 31. Yep. Man, he, is he going, is he Benjamin Button? Is he, I thought he was like 33, 34. Is he going backwards in age? No, I think it's just the fact that he's built like a child. He's about five foot nine and 150 pounds. That I've maybe... always said that I, I always said if an actor wants to play the story of Ricky Fowler, not much of a movie or a story it'd be, but uh, it would be Leonardo DiCaprio. I mean, those guys do have like the boyish uh, looks. I mean, I mean, yeah. people need it. You want to talk about like sucking someone's dick for 10 years. Leonardo DiCaprio isn't a made me forget who Tom Hanks is. That's how good an actor Leo is. I mean, whew. oh, I thought you were going to say every Hollywood actress that actually was an A-lister. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, but that's another podcast and a much longer list. <laughs> Anywho, fair enough. Fair enough. So because I never it's obvious that we everyone loves Ricky Fowler. We're all rooting for him. We want him to win a major or anything or whatever. But because he is so likable and so branded or whatever, I am actually that's why I'm asking if he's in a decline. And we'll get back to uh, uh, Fino and eventually back to Hovland again, because uh, I want to talk Hovland uh, actually to wrap it all up. But uh, essentially, I. I'm not ready to give up on Fowler. And I feel like this is the first time I've ever started believing in him. You know what I'm saying? I mean, remember how old was Phil when he won his first major? Because Phil's 50. Uh, I want to say 34. 34. 34, because he won in 04. And if he's 50 now, that was 16 years ago. So perfect. Everyone always says, because we have these young guns. These guys are amazing. All these guys who come in waves, Smiley Kaufman uh, notwithstanding. But ultimately, it's been said by every single tour pro that I've ever heard, like I get in front of a microphone, they all kind of share the same ethos that is uh, golfers hit their prime, like pro golfers hit their prime in their mid thirties. And so mm-hmm. I'm just sitting there going like, Oh, what? I mean, Tiger Woods notwithstanding either. I mean, cause that guy was a, a phenom within a phenom. I mean, I cannot, I will not besmirch that, but I'm looking at like, Oh, Ricky Fowler, we're, we're about to put him on the funeral pyre, like Darth Vader's carcass. I mean, or people already have. Yeah. It's interesting because, uh, you know, the big thing around that, um, Wow, sorry, I just totally spaced out and now forget where I was going with that. What topic are so, we on? Fowler, we're talking Fowler. I mean, it, it, how how he, I felt like he's older. Is he dead at thirty one? So to sorry, speak? yep, back on track here. Sorry, the, Man, the you, old the, <laughs> the old the old thinking was always you kind of hit the nail on the head there, right? The golfers are going to hit their hit their stride late twenties, mm-hmm. learn how to win in their late twenties, they get to their thirties, and then. They know how to win. They're in those situations often, and they start closing them out on a more often basis. Meanwhile, nowadays, you see all these younger stars, a uh, Hovland, a Wolf, a DeChambeau. These guys come out of college. They start winning. The Thomases, the, mm-hmm. the Spees. And I, 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 it really was Spieth that broke that mold that said, hey, you know what? I've been a winner since I was young. I know how to win. I've won at every level, right? Those are those guys that break the trend and now the onus is on the Shoffleys, you know, <clears throat> Justin Thomas winning another major. All these guys that win very young are now put up on that pedestal and expect to be in contention at, you know, every major for the ones that set up well for their game, whatever. But there's that double-edged sword, and maybe we'll see it, you know, we're seeing it with Fowler now. We're seeing it with Spieth where, you know, they're adjusting to not being successful. And it's probably the first time in their lives that for the most part, they are on a stretch of golf. That's not up to their standards. So how they overcome it, how they come out on the other side. And there's lots of tread left on those tires, right? We're talking guys in their twenties, 
Fowler's only 31. Finau, throw him in there, is only 31. There's a lot of guys out there who every week you go, oh, yeah, that guy's in the top 10. There's a big name. There's a big name. But when are these guys finally going to get over that hump? Finau almost reminds me of a modern-day Mickelson in that you look on a leaderboard on a major on the weekend, you go, oh, Finau's top five. Finau's top 10. He's right uh, uh, there. The thing that, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but the thing that gets me about Finau is he doesn't win Jack, Jack. That's it. He, Fair. And, it's, and not even going back to the Puerto Rican Open curse. I'm just saying that, that's what made me call him. He's Louis Oosthuizen, but without the one major. That mm-hmm. is, I, I, I'm, I'm starting to get a boner for how good that comp I just made is. And, and when, you look at, when you look at Finau's career as well, he was never really a winner at any level. He became relevant. Like, oh, see, this is all this is all well and good, folks. Anyone who can hear me, this is what I want us to do from all this Finau talk. <clears throat> like I said, stop sucking his dick, okay? No. If, if, if you guys care and like Tony Finau that much, why haven't anyone given a, a, two drops or one shred of credit to Charles Howell III, the human ATM? Yep. Finau will be there. Finau, could, like you said, could be the next guy. And you know what? It takes time for that to happen. But don't we care about winners? Isn't that what estimates greatness? We know in the end, your bank account, taking care of your family, the square footage of your house, all that stuff adds up in the equation. But the things that make us have the bar, the bar arguments, the water cooler talks or whatever, who's better, Tiger or Jack? We're comparing resumes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you look at things and, and go, okay, who's winning that's the person you remember right nobody remembers second place exactly that's the, i'm sorry because everyone shits on me for shitting on Fina. i'm like look what I don't, i'm not saying the guy needs to win majors i just want to see him win win an event every other year that's pretty good chucky's three sticks can't even say he did that much i mean to be fair so yeah. and, and i'm probably the president of his fan club it's just a, it's a very underground thing mm-hmm. so yeah fair so let's okay. Let's screw it. Let's get off the uh, the Mormon uh, tigers uh, back there, and uh, let's shift back to the winner, uh, who mm-hmm. is uh, from my Scandinavia land. Hello, no, isn't he? He's Swedish, isn't he? He's Norwegian. Damn it! Oh God, I knew oh, it wasn't Finnish. No, I'm, dog. I pride myself on geography, and that one was poor. That one was very poor of me. Um, I I don't have too much on Victor Hovland in that. I haven't been watching him much lately or he hasn't been on camera when I've been like, I uh, have my eyeballs on a screen lately, but a couple things I, I have to admit nobody. And I know it's just the pun on his face or just like the way he carries himself or just the way he looks. Nobody looks like they're having more fun than Victor Hovland. He looks like a 10 year old kid who just hit his first drive straight down the fairway every five minutes. He just has this like, very boyish, very, or he might've just took a bong rip every five minutes. He just has this look on his face where he's just kind of like, hey, what's up guys? And then when he gets over the ball, he's a, you can't look at his face anymore because he's a monster. Mm-hmm. I remember at the tournament, but it was at least a year, year and a half ago. Remember when he did that double pump swing? Do you remember? Yes. What? Yes. That now on one hand, I always thought to myself, if you're good enough, I think a lot of pros could do the double pump. Like I've taught lessons before where I brought the club back. And then I stood and talked to everyone for a good 60 seconds, keeping the club right there. And then I looked down and dropped it, you know, and, and, and I hit the shot fine. So I always thought like, why aren't these, that's why like, I like Wesley Bryan. It's like, why aren't trick shot artists better professional golfers? Because I feel like they have way more of a toolbox or acumen or vision or creativity or talent than anyone else. But then when Hovland did that double pump, part of me is just sitting there going, was he trying to get more distance or was that, or did he just have a brain fart and still hit a good drive? Like, I don't, I don't remember 
the context or what the tournament was, but I just remember seeing that going. It was one of those where like I broke the recliner and knocked a beer on the dog because I'm just like, what, what, what was that? <laughs> yeah, that that's a very good point. Uh, what I will say is, he just he has that look that he's thoroughly enjoying the game of golf. I'm actually I'm actually kind of pissed that Morikawa and Wolf tasted success first because when. Hovland won his U.S. Amateur, was it two years ago, 2018? Uh, yeah, 2018 at uh, Pebble. I, I, I hate to say it. I felt like I treated him like a household name two years ago. So to see mm-hmm. him win twice since then, I'm just like, fuck, this is this is the guy who should be taking second at the U.S. Open or winning the PGA, not Morikawa, not, yeah. not the Wolf of Wall Street, Wolfie. I mean, come on. <laughs> when, when you look at that that OSU team that they had at the time, they were fucking stacked. I, I don't under. Did, did they win at everything? How could they, they not have won? They won in NCAA, yes. Yeah, but and NCAA. I know it's hard to like do repeat. Uh, no matter how good your program is, uh, collegiate ranks always are turning over, so to speak. But I mean, mm-hmm. I just I look at it like Oregon. Oh, I'm sorry. Pause. They have a uh, similar colors. Oklahoma State seems to be the college where I just keep hearing where that's where everyone comes from. Like 90% of the golfers, if anyone wants to mention their collegiate uh, uh, achievements, are all Oklahoma State. And, and mm-hmm. I look at them, good, but how come they're not winning the, the championship every year? I mean. Yeah, it, it, it takes a whole five guys, obviously, to, to win that. Um, team team and, golf, high school and college golf is hard. That is very hard. Team golf is one of, and I'm not even talking like Ryder Cup format because that's its own beast or whatever, but like people don't realize and, and, and to anyone who's listening, and this is how we did in high school. I don't know how to do it in college, but I'm assuming you sent five players and you take four or five of their scores. Uh, yeah, yeah, it depends on the format, but usually it's four of your top five. Okay, four, so four, four out of five. There you go, folks. You have five golfers playing and your team takes four. We'll just call it for the sake of like making it more like balanced. Takes four of the best scores, which means you can't have anyone really. There can't be any weak links in the chain. And now golf they is do, the hardest sport, and it's it's tough. They do hole by hole in, in NCAA. What does that mean? So they don't just say, okay, you guys shot 69, 70, 70, and 71, add them up. It's the top four scores on each hole added up. So one guy could shoot an 80, but if he's got eight birdies on the card, Ooh. a lot of those birdies are counting. That's a very, very interesting format. I, I never thought yeah. of that. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty slow on the – uptake but uh when it comes to, like a lot of gambling formats or games that play on the course but i mean that is a pretty feasible like somebody was telling me about the handicap thing recently they're just like yeah i heard the new handicap one of the new rules is your scores fall off after three years so blah 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 so it doesn't like you know reflect your handicap and i kind of was like oh okay but then i thought for a second i looked at him and said well shouldn't have that been the case in the first place i mean it's just because like uh this but but folks that's golf headlines aren't headlines like golf right now, their headline is still Dewey defeats Truman. And that was back mm-hmm. in 1950. I mean, come on, it's let's get over it. So um, uh, anything else you want to say on Hovland? We got to, we got to get into some um, swing tips and equipment stuff here. All good. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm actually very glad just to see for the, for the people that don't know uh, the Puerto Rico curse is now officially broken. It's and, and we are referring to the fact that the P- Puerto Rico Open winner uh, since 2008 has never won another event other than um, Michael Bradley, I think, was the 
Who? Who uh, somebody won it twice, and that's the only oh, yeah. tournament that he's won. Yeah, I, I yeah, I don't Michael know Bradley, Michael. 2009, oh, 2011. Ah, so he's bananas. a two-time Puerto Rico champ. But oh. any, anybody who has won the Puerto Rico Open had never won another tournament other than the Puerto Rico Open up until today. Who in the hell is Michael Bradley? And I, well. and I believe today is also the day that Puerto Rico was invaded or it's not like they're like annexed. They, they were annexed or they declared their independence there's a big difference from those things you just said and invaded. Yeah, whatever. I'm thinking Cuba. <laughs> Who knows? America would have the blood on our hands, so don't don't, don't you put that on us, Maddie. Don't you put that on us. <laughs> Here, I'm going to toss out some uh, paper towel for everybody. Oh, God. Well, anyways, that tournament recap was brought to you by Luftwaffle. Bomb your hunger into submission with Luftwaffle. All right. We got a, we got a, some uh, coaches corner here. Um uh, uh actually you know what no let's save that for the end because i can keep it brief i just want to share uh something that i told matt i was doing was working on it we'll get to that in a second i did write down here with that we are in the equipment season there is some people who could be switching uh who they're playing like who they're what flag they're under and honestly smitty dropped a little piece of information on me that i thought was good was news I, in my heart of hearts, I don't think it really matters. It's to, a tomato potato situation, but so long as nobody is switching to Hanma, we're going to be okay. So Matt, do you have some news here? So, uh, you know what? I'm, I'm still very skeptical at this point. Um, there was, <coughs> excuse me, a, um, I'm not sure how credible this source is, but uh, a Instagram page called Equipment Junkie um, apparently got a scoop on John Rom switching to Callaway Equipment and Travis Matthew wardrobe. Um, well, hold on a second. I, you know, hold on. That that wardrobe part's kind of a no-brainer. You know why, right? Because Travis Matthews owned by Callaway. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I mean, so, I waste a sentence talking about how you waste a sentence. Continue. No, no, no. So that's okay. I, <laughs> I, I, this is always a very interesting topic, especially over the last 10 years. Um, and, and we had seen this in the past as well. I'm, I'm thinking Corey Pavin pops to mind immediately when I think of an equipment change that impacted the rest of his career. Um, we saw it with Rory McIlroy when, um, Nike when he went from Titleist to Nike. Uh, we saw it more recently with Sergio Garcia going from Taylor May to Callaway. Um, we've seen it with Francesco Molinari going from Ping to Callaway, right? All these guys that struggled in switching their equipment. So you hear this report, obviously nothing's confirmed yet, but it is that season, that December to January 1, when all these contracts come into force, you know, I'm looking at a guy like John Rahm who has not switched his irons in probably about four years, still uses the P750s, right? He still uses the high-toe wedges. He hasn't switched out of those into uh, the – they are mill grind, but not the mill grind twos, any of those. Um, I'm looking at a guy that uses the same shaft in his three-wood and driver that he has for about the last eight years, the uh, NV Green. So I'm looking at a guy that really doesn't like to move his equipment. He's very slow to move his equipment. And for somebody, especially a company, an equipment manufacturer, to pay the type of money that it's going to require to uh, it's going to require to acquire a talent like John Rahm, 
I, I, I just don't see, I, I obviously can see why he would do it. There's probably some zeros involved. Um, and that's before the decimal, not after the decimal, uh, like most of our bank accounts, but, um, Oh, stop sending, stop with all the work talk. Come on. But uh, what I see is, is a, 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 a vulnerability being created, especially when these high, high-end players switch these equipment companies, right? They're comfortable. They know what they like. And making a big switch like that, unless, you know, I'm, I'm just going to say TaylorMade, because TaylorMade does create a lot of one-off iron forgings and castings for their players. I'm thinking, you know, Rose Proto Irons, DJ Proto Irons, Rory Irons, Tiger, Tiger. Irons, right? And and basically, John Rom has been playing his own version at the 750 for forever. Um, so I find it very interesting to hear that news. Like I said, we've seen this before. Some players really struggled, and then there's a player like Brooks Kepka who said, "You know what? I'm playing my best when I play what I want and what fits my game the best." And the best club fitters out there will always tell you the chances of one company perfectly fitting or being the best match for woods driver irons everything from top to bottom in your bag being from one manufacturer the chances of that happening are basically zero so you know don't clearly don't golfers like us and worse should not be brand whores we should no absolutely I have not Taylor made stuff in my bag that's just because it was really cheap when i got it that's yeah. all i mean yeah. or or if you got fitted for everything and you went at the end of the day and said you know what that's the best performing equipment for me awesome or you, if you only go for a full bag fitting from a single manufacturer at least you went and got fitted for it so you know it, it works well for you but for right. somebody to just say you know what i'm a titleist brand whore i'm a tailor-made brand whore wh wh whatever brand that is just to go i want that one that one and that one all from the same company the chances of that product being optimal for you is going to be slim from top to slim, bottom very slim yeah now we're forgetting i was trying to rack my head thinking of any other significant equipment changes that we know of, I wouldn't call Tiger going from Titleist to Nike significant because that was kind of a phasing process where we always knew once Nike made gear and he liked it eventually that he would switch, but he rocked a lot of old Titleist stuff for a very long time. People, mm -hmm. let's we forget, I forget when it happened exactly, but it, it happened after he won a major or two. But Phil Mickelson switching to Callaway is a yeah, pretty 2004. Like, okay, that, that was that a was the fall of 2004. Pretty significant swap considering he's been rocking Callaway ever since. Mm -hmm. And and considering how like Titleist, yes, it's an elitist brand. And yes, they do more often than not make very, very, very good clubs. Sometimes they have some stinkers. Like every every decade, one model of driver sucks or one model of Vokey sucks. It's just the way it happens. But it's like Titleist won't renew their contracts with people as as like they're just like we're like new roll of toilet paper. No, we're done with you. Look at Jason yep. Duffner. I mean, Duffner didn't care, but like they let Titleist lets players walk all the time. And Absolutely Taylor do. is more than happy to have as many pretty boys on their billboard as they can. And I get mm -hmm. that because they're trying to sell golf clubs. In the end, that's kind of why I'm I'm becoming more and more of a fan of Callaway, the company. I don't own many Callaway things. I'm not going out and looking to buy Callaway stuff. Like I said, I'm still looking for a deal or what I like or what I prefer or what I've tried. It could be anything. It could be a freaking Mizuno driver. Who the hell knows? Those rate really high. But mm -hmm. I like how Callaway conducts business. I've always liked how they've approached 
the economic model that is trying to make a product and make money in golf. They have actually been the most flexible and the most innovative, in my opinion. I mean, in the end, on paper or like whatever it turns out, they're all pretty equal. Ping, Titleist, like TaylorMade, everyone, the market share is pretty goddamn split equally. That's why we can't say who's the best because there isn't the best unless we just do like our own polls and our own constituents are the own people who come out and talk about it. But I mean, I've met like the director R&D for Callaway. He's been doing that 20 years. The R&D director jobs for most of these co companies are a one, two year position before you either retire or move on to something else. It's when it comes to golf, either you're, you're a permanent mainstay or you're a temporary quarterly fix. So I really appreciate what Callaway is. Callaway is acting like Pepsi or Ford. They're acting like a real company trying to compete amongst other real companies trying to do something. And then on the flip side, I... I, I, I just in terms of like brands that I would say, like, if I could pick who I was sponsored by, if I was on tour, I'd be a Callaway guy. I would. Um, but then again, if I was on a pro, I could play any club. I'm sure it doesn't really matter. But then I'd also be a Link Soul where I, I would wear Link Soul clothing because I have two Link Soul polos that I need to stop wearing because I start liking them so much. They're the only two polos I wear just because I mean, mm. and, and I know John Ashworth personally, I know he's not listening right now. But when he does one day, once we're famous, <laughs> shout out, John, you are the Pierce Brosnan of golf, sir. You, he is the coolest dude you will ever meet. Like he walks into the room 50 feet away and you're just like, I smell cologne. Is it that guy with the flip-flops on over there wearing the cologne? Awesome. That guy's the man. He like, he, he even, he's on the record of saying when he made the Link Soul product line after TaylorMade bought the John Ashworth product line, which is very similar to Link Soul as it stands today. He said, he's on the record of saying, I don't see somebody wearing a bright yellow, bold pattern shirt hoisting a trophy on Sunday. Those were his pretty much his exact words. And that's the ethos of his uh, ethos of his company where none of the patterns or the colors are loud, but it reflects the comfort where it's just kind of like, yeah, a pair of brown loafers isn't flashy, but my God, I bet they're, they're comfortable to wear. I mean, so I like Linksol. I like Callaway. I know they're not mutually exclusive because Travis Matthew. Callaway also, in terms of if I want, if I want to suck some more dick for somebody else here, Callaway has really learned that if they can't make it or they can't do it, they'll hire somebody else to do it. That's why OGO yep. makes their bags. Callaway does not make mm -hmm. bags. They they hired another company to do it. Nikon used to be their range finders. Nikon parted ways with them four years ago. So now Callaway actually, talking to the director of R&D, he said, uh, Dr. Allen, he said, uh, they're looking for someone to make range finders for them. Callaway is not in the range finder market right now. Or if they are, no. they have their own proprietary shit that's just kind of treading water. So yep. all, the, all you look at their you look at their high end putters, right? They buy two line. You look at their wedges when they want to get in the wedge game. Who, who do they get? Well, they recruit Roger Cleveland, so. the one and only. Like they they and the Callaway wedges folks used to say Callaway wedges, and it would stamped on there by Roger Cleveland and the Cleveland Golf Company, whom he founded. It's the same name. We're not talking the Browns in Ohio here. He essentially they like the Cleveland Golf said, "Hey, we don't care how good or bad you're doing." we know you're doing good and we know what that name means you're not allowed to use that man's name even if he is making them i mean and they abide mm. it and guess what they call them the jaws now and i bought four of them <laughs> so um anything else you want to cover in the brief equipment set before we get into a little swing talk here all good let's move all right so this part this uh this coach's corner is brought to you by halta vista Halta Vista, Mexico's top internet search engine since 2007. I thought now, that was Ask Javier, the Mexican version of Ask Jeeves. No, that's that. That would be uh, um, the Preguntas Javier. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's backwards because they conjugate differently. Anyways, um, Coach's Corner, Smitty. 
So, I hear I, I have a friend in need of some help. What am I? Is I, am I being a sounding board or or what's going on here? Talk to me. Talk to me. I, so I got a couple things I'm doing in the swing right now, and I essentially was dangling over the cliff, and I pulled myself up by some vines, but I'm still hanging on the edge of the cliff here. Remember how I was doing the Sergio lag? Like I was all about yeah. the Sergio lag. Yeah, mm-hmm. not working. Not working. No. I, I when you start, obviously, if you miss when you're trying to heavy lag. Or get a little hand. I was essentially getting too handsy and flippy down at the bottom. I guess. Flip it, flip it, flip it. The, and the trouble is, when you flip it at the bottom, folks, you don't produce a consistent miss. Oh, see, I, yeah, you just pointed to like you know your dog over there in the bathroom. No, this is no that left. Well, left or but it could be weak. But it could be ten yards short, twenty yards short, thirty yards short. You just don't know. And it could be on the toe. Could be on the toe. Could be on the. Doesn't matter. So I've messed up this whole lag in the wrist thing because when i when i when i go to swing spinning all i have to think is when i address the ball everything's fine and my first move is turn the hips away like open the hips back and then i think once i get to the top of the swing i just try to think drop the hands drop the hands well that's not working anymore but what i've gone back to is and it's kind of like saved me from i was about to take a break from golf that's how bad things were getting right even looked at the wife and said uh I'm, i'm afraid to hit the golf ball right now i need to take a month off and just not think about striking the ball now what i'm doing is i'm going back to and i notice it's my old bryson turn which is going to shred my back to pieces i turn i start by opening the hips and now on the downswing all i'm thinking about is the back of my hand just backhanding the shit out of the ball just smothering compressing just hitting the ball like that just and and you know what it it, i'm smashing it that's very interesting that you just said that because whenever I'm struggling, just struggling, I'm always thinking about the back of my hand and what is it doing, right? Because we can, uh, we're on video chat here, so I'm, you know, supinating and pronating my wrist. But oh, is that what those things are? <laughs> yeah. So it, 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 it's so easy just to lose face control, right? And that's how we have to relate it. The back of your hand is the face. How am I controlling that face through impact? Yeah, if if you're doing the Sergio leg, there's there's so much there's so much movement, and that angle is closing so fast at the bottom of the swing. Yeah, it's going to be harder to square up. That's why a guy like DJ who rotates the entire body, and he's got that that laid off. You know, I don't know what you want to call it, strong or weak, whatever. It, bowed, sorry, bowed wrist. That's strong. And he rotates. Yeah, he's rotating, right? He's using his body to rotate and pull his arms through. His arms aren't doing the pulling. His body is, right? So that's one thing I always think about is using the back of your hand, your front hand, your lead hand. Yeah. You don't really want to think about it on the the trailing hand. But um, yeah, using that lead hand, the back of your lead hand to say, this is the club face. I need to control this better coming through impact. So I'm glad you brought that up because that's a, it, it's usually where I kind of get back to when I'm, when I'm missing it, especially if it's two ways, I know that there's a face control issue mm-hmm. because if you're going extremely, for me, I, I sometimes get a little exaggerated into out. So easier for me with an iron to create a draw, but if you're going into out and you're not controlling that face properly, the <laughs> face is open, the ball is going straight right. That mm-hmm. ball is not coming back to square. It's not starting to the right and moving back, or you're you're not hitting it left of the target at all. It is going straight right. And that's where that two-way miss comes from. So 
if you, if you have something like that, um, if you have the ability to, to use some type of uh, surface where you can see impact, whether it's obviously a divot pattern or what, I would imagine you're coming a little too far from the inside, which again, is a is a way to identify why that two-way miss is happening because at the end of the day you're probably coming from the inside to the out which is great that's what everybody wants to do but if it's too big and our timing's a little off yeah that two-way miss is, is definitely in play and it's funny because sergio i only heard him say it recently i think but he's on the record as saying he lags so much because of his body turn and it's funny that mm -hmm. you say that ej looks like he's got a lot going on but in the end it's just he's just turning with the right sequencing. And you know what? I've actually, I've actually, I've developed in like some of my good swings. I kind of have this weird Brooks Kepka follow through where after impact, I don't care what my swing looks like. And I just kind of rest the club on my shoulder with like no pose whatsoever. Mm -hmm. I know we all need to swing through the ball. Don't ever think about swinging at the ball. But right now I'm trying to break things down in my head, which is like, why am I thinking about the whole equation of the bottom of the swing art? All I need to do is think about getting the club head down to the ball and hitting the ball and then who cares what my follow through looks like? It's it, it, who cares if it looks pretty. I've tried for years to try to hold my poses, to try to you know make things like look or feel good or whatever. In the end, I notice when I'm playing my best is when I'm just thumping the goddamn ball. I'm I'm beating it down to the ground. It's going up, and I don't care if I like look like Al Chervik and one handed afterwards. It doesn't matter. I because I, I always tell people you, you got to swing through the ball. Don't swing at the ball, as I just said. But now I'm looking at it like no. If I'm coming down and I'm keeping like essentially like DJ, I'm keeping that wrist super close or at least in my mind's eye or in my head i'm thinking about just on the way down pull it like like pepperell said just pulling as hard as you can as fast as you can but keeping that or like ryan armor taught me with chipping just think about exaggerated shut face it's not really exaggerated but just think that way mm -hmm. honestly when i look at my swing or think about it i'm like wow no wonder i take a big divot how do i even stand upright and then i go like who cares i hit the ball good who cares if i look like Ho that's why i love ho sung Choi. who cares how you look like after the ball is hit who cares yeah, it, another good point. And, and, and something I'll say is, you know, you are, let's say you're playing with a golfer or you're caddying, right? As soon as the golfer strikes the ball, what are you watching? Are you watching the golfer's finish position or are you watching where the golf ball goes? Everyone's watching the ball every time. And, and, and if somebody hits it to five feet from 170 yards out, do you go, wow, great shot? Like, look at where that ended up. Or do you go, wow, great swing. Look at where your backswing finished. It's, it's got to be a certain level of narcissism, and maybe this is just me being Freudian and talking about myself solamente here, but I mean, it's got to be like everyone wants to like maybe look good or the people who are worried about that, that's what it is when it's just like, oh, well, unless you're on TV, nobody's looking at you. Mm -hmm. so. Yep, no, all, all very valid points. Hopefully something that I just said helps you. That's the whole point, but. Well, we, we could expand a little bit more on the coach's quarter, but we were keeping this one a tidy, uh, tidy show. And look, we, uh, we hit a, we still hit like a uh, 50 minutes here. So how do you like them apples? <laughs> wow, time flies. Way to, way to, way to not talk about anything. Uh, Smitty, where can people find you this week on Twitter, on Instagram or what? They can find me on both at bomb squad, Matt with two T's M A T T. Look at this. Look, look at me. I got three legal pads here. <laughs> very, very God, legal. Man, I'm trying to build a podcast empire for you, Ty. I'm trying. Anyways, I'm Jerry Lou. This has been the Bomb Squad podcast. You can find the Bomb Squad on Twitter, which is our general uh, means of communication with the golf public, which is great, at Bomb Squad Golf Co. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get better at that. And then, uh, oh, yeah, it's right here. 
no, actually, no, that's something else. That's my Twitter, which is at Jerry Lou Looper. I used to have an Instagram, folks, but my Facebook got hacked. And guess what? I just don't care about getting it back. It's mostly my fault. It's from an, the email was from 15 years ago and I haven't logged into it in 10 years. So it's really quite impossible to recover the account. And I just don't give a shit. So you can find me on Twitter or you can just keep listening to this show or you can book me at Bandon Dunes as your caddy. And careful, because if you've seen my recent conversations on Twitter, uh, we're calling our ball these days uh, and uh, naming our price. So uh, <laughs> no cheap skates allowed. So, <laughs> well, thank you, Smitty. Uh, hopefully um, next time we chat, folks, will be sooner rather than later. But it is the holiday season. There's not that much golf. This is the first week of December that we're recording this. So hopefully at least within a month's time, we can be on something a little more regular. And uh, and I apologize because I'm the king of regularity and consistency. And I've been pretty much the culprit of us not doing a show this past week. We, we've both been guilty. Let's not single any one person out or feel guilty. But I say maybe we do a little predictions and what's on our golf Christmas list for 2020? And what would it's we like to see? Celebrate Christmas. What is your holiday <laughs> wish list 2020? Oh God, folks, I wish you could see that, man. He just he just verbally backpedaled and choked. <laughs> you know what? I, I I'm a little conservative in that one. I like to say, you know, happy holidays, enjoy your time with your family. I'm not really a merry I'm not one of those people that throws Merry Christmas at people. It's like, you know what? Whatever you celebrate, celebrate it with the people you want to celebrate it with. Have fun. Have a couple of drinks. Do whatever you want to do. Just have fun. Just so like I mean, golf. I'm I'm converted to Judaism several years ago, and as I was saying on Twitter, it's like, how come I defend Christmas so much? I don't know, but one of my favorite jokes this time of year is I say, "Hey, everybody! To all my friends, have a merry Christmas, and to all my Jewish friends, have a Christmas." Yeah, and and <laughs> and you know, Hanukkah started. I believe was it yesterday? I don't, I don't even know. It's when you when you rank the when you rank the Hebrew holidays in terms of importance or like uh, them giving a crap or like how you celebrate it or what it means. Passover uh, first, is it not? Because like fourth or fifth on the list. So you got Passover, you yeah. got Yom Kippur, you got, you got a few others, but, uh, but unfortunately it's whatever happens around the alleged birth of Christ is what, that, that's when they look at other countries and be like, what do you guys do December 25th? What do you guys do December 25th? And next thing you know, you got a country like Chile lighting off fireworks. Cause they're like, this is our 4th of July, bitch. So Anyways, then, yeah, another conversation for another time. So thank you for joining us, folks. And uh, be sure to, um, I don't know, follow whatever random golf cliche that I'm forgetting to insert here at the end. See you, folks. <laughs>